Well, welcome to our worship service. It only happens about once every seven years that our worship service falls on uh, Christmas Day. And I suspect that a lot of you are thinking about your family. Um, this is a family-oriented holiday. I know we got some family members in visiting uh, here, and I'm grateful for that. Some of my family is here uh, visiting because of this holiday. This, a, this is a family, a holiday when we get together and uh, we are with those that we are connected to uh, by blood. And so I thought I would, continuing my series, God Made You More, God Made You More Than Your Tribe. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, have a negative sermon about your family. <laughs> if you have issues with your family, you need to deal with that around the uh, Christmas table as, uh, as it was designed to do. But <clears throat> God made us to live in groups. God made us to live with people that we are close to and that we love and we care about. That's just part of the way God created us. But he made us to be more than just the particular groups we're part of. And that's what I want to explore a little bit this morning. Because as wonderful and as powerful as our association with each other can be, it can also just like anything else good that God makes, it can also turn into something dangerous and destructive and damaging to our souls. So I want to focus on that just a little bit this morning. God has these grand plans, and he, and he tells us that over and over again. I've given, if any of you have the little study sheet, I've given you several scriptures that kind of clue you in. I'll go over them real quickly, and I'll tell you what they are. Um, a lot of people right now, because it's Christmas, are thinking about the Christmas story. And one element of the Christmas story is the shepherds. And they're out in the fields, they're watching over their flocks, and all of a sudden an angel shows up. And I'm sure it scared them half to death. And the angel says, but don't be afraid, I'm bringing good tidings. I'm bringing good news. And something that will give you great joy. And, he, and the angel says, you know, this child has been born that we've all been waiting for. And, it's, and, and this is going to be assigned to you. It's in the manger in Bethlehem. You can go find it. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of angels show up. Which if the shepherds were scared before, can you imagine what they felt at that moment? And the angels, and it says this in Luke 2, verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those he favors. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those he favors. God is not just talking to the shepherds. He's not just talking to a few select wise men. He's not just talking to one nation either, just the Jewish people. 
This coming of Jesus Christ is a global event. Peace on earth. To everybody that God can bring to him. And this is in the scriptures in many different places. Micah chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. In the last days the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above all the hills and the people will stream into it. Many nations will come and they will say let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. And the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He'll judge between many peoples and will settle their disputes. And it talks about the, the swords will all be turned into uh, plowshares and the spears will be turned into agricultural implements. And verse 5, all the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we walk in the name of the Lord of our God forever. God has a plan that extends out into the whole world. Colossians 3 verse 11, Paul says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul Maybe first, maybe clearer than a lot of the other people in that early Christian community saw that if Jesus is really the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, then all of our tribal divisions, all of our national boundaries, all of our even family divisions, uh, all of our ethnic differences, all of that stuff now becomes secondary. Because Christ is primary. There is no such thing in Christ as those barriers. This morning, actually, uh, I had an email from Jan and Nadia Boldareff. Some of you know the Boldareffs. Uh, there's probably nobody I'm less connected to tribally than Jan and Nadia Boldareff. Um, they're both Russians. Um, they grew up uh, near the, in the system that takes care of orphans in the Soviet Union. Jan has the strangest conversion story of anybody that I know. Uh, one of the people in his group home was reading a Bible and he stole it from him with threat of violence. He just, he's bigger than him and he just said, give it to me. And, and he took the poor kid's Bible and that's what converted him. And we started reading it. By the way, don't ever pick up a Bible if you don't want God to get in your head. Bibles are very dangerous things. Anyway, he starts reading this Bible, and he starts to believe what he's reading, and he becomes a Christian. And not only that, God starts using him, and God opens a door for him and Nadia uh, to minister to um, 
these people that have been in the Russian orphanage system, which is not a very good system. It doesn't do a very good job of preparing people for life. And they've been carrying out that ministry in St. Petersburg for years. Well, Jan is military age. Uh, when the war came and the draft is instituted, uh, Jan and Nadia were in great danger. Jan could have been sent to the front lines. And uh, they had to get out of the country. And so they are now refugees. It's just chance that I happened to meet them. It's just chance that we've happened to have them in our home and uh, that we helped them some. And they were writing to give us thanks for that. And they're writing because Wilshire has been grateful and they wanted to pass on their thanks to this congregation. You know, if it weren't for Jesus Christ, I would have never met Jan and Nadia. And that story is multiplied hundreds of times just in this room. You and I have connections we should never have that cross national lines and language lines and tribal lines of every kind. And the reason for that is, that's what God has been planning all along. Tribal connections, family connections, national connections, political connections, those are all things that are deeply built into the kind of critters that human beings have been made to be by God. But God also makes us more than that. And he intends, through his kingdom, to transcend every one of those barriers in Jesus Christ. God's plan has always been to gather in humans from every nation, every language, every tribe. That's what we had read this morning. Steve read for us that passage in Revelation. That's what the people are all praising Jesus for. Jesus can take the scroll. He's the only one in heaven worthy to start the process of the book of Revelation, the judgment and the transformation of the world into a place where God reigns. And it can only happen because Jesus has done what he's done. And they praise him saying, from every nation, from every language, from every tribe, you've gathered together a people. You've purchased with your blood a people for God. And you will turn them into a holy nation, a nation of priests. It's a great, great passage. That's always been God's plan. Divisions between people may seem like part of human life, but God is working to bring us together. That's just the way it feels sometimes. I'm born into a family. I am grateful for the family that I'm born into. I'm grateful that my parents took me to church and taught me these things. I'm grateful for the good and even some of the bad that I inherited from my family and from my nation and from my culture. I'm grateful for those things. I couldn't live without them. I couldn't exist without the communities that have shaped me. Nevertheless, because Jesus has come, those are all secondary. Even my family is secondary to Jesus Christ. And that's intentional. The kingdom of Jesus now comes first. We have many, many illustrations of this in the New Testament. It's one of the key themes of the New Testament, this transcending of tribal barriers, of national barriers, 
ethnic burials, political barriers. I'll give you just one example. Acts 10, verse 25. Peter is in Joppa. He gets called in multiple ways through the Holy Spirit to go to the house of Cornelius. And verse 25 picks up the story. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell on his feet in reverence. And Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered and said, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, and three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me, and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He is a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That's just, that's such a profound moment right there. Peter, like you, is raised in a particular group of people, in a particular nation, with a particular tradition. He's actually raised with the law of God, the Old Testament, telling him it's dangerous to associate with non-Jews. It's dangerous to you spiritually to associate with non-Jews. And all of his life he has kept that rule. And now God's own spirit says to him, because of Jesus Christ, those rules are gone. And from every nation and from every tribe, God is now calling his new people. That is a profound, profound moment. It echoes through the rest of the New Testament. That's an issue that people are thinking about and writing about through the rest of the New Testament. Peter's like us. He felt those very strong barriers. When he goes back to Jerusalem, he gets in trouble for even going into the house of somebody from another group. He gets called on the carpet. Why would you do that? Why would you step into and eat with Gentiles? Step into the house of and eat with Gentiles. And he says, I had to. Here's all the signs the Holy Spirit gave me that said I had to do it. God is, because of Jesus Christ, bringing us into a unity. I tell all of you that because part of the point of this sermon series is to recognize the voices in our culture that are making us less than what God made us to be. We need our families, we need our countries, we need our cultures, we need our, even our political groups, but, but those are all voices that can take a turn to the dark side and begin to make us just instruments of that particular tribe, that particular group, that particular political 
entity, that particular nation. And it's something that Christians need to be aware of. That that starts to happen. And it becomes very dangerous. Tribes have interests, and tribes sometimes get into conflict with other tribes. This happens with nations. It happens with smaller groups, too, even sometimes families. And when I'm in a conflict with another group, I need to motivate everybody in my group to get on board with whatever the the next move is in the conflict. And there is a natural tendency to up the emotional stakes anytime I'm in that situation, if I'm in any kind of a leadership position. In politics, it's often the case that what I'm trying to do is an incremental change. What I really want to say to my constituents is, if you guys will help us, we can implement a tax policy that's likely to give a 3 to 5% increase in tax fairness and productivity. How many of you fell asleep after I said 3% right there? Right? You understand why politicians don't talk like that, although that's often the reality. What do they say instead to get you on board? This is the most important election of your life. Your children will starve to death if you don't vote. The other side wants to kill your puppies. All of your puppies. Then they're coming for your cats. Right? I mean, you, you have to up the emotional ante. You have to up the stakes in order to get, you know, your tribe on board. And, and that's, we know that, and it's, it's goofy when it's not creepy, right? I mean, we, we see it all the time. The trouble is, and this has happened so many times, we just, it's super predictable. I absolutize, I, abs- I, I increase the stakes until I end up making my group and whatever it is we're trying to accomplish, I make it God. I say God things about it. And I start treating you like an unbeliever if you're not on board with this particular group at this particular time with this particular agenda. The other side becomes less than human. I mean, that's one of the classic moves. It's old. We see it way as Almost as soon as we have written literature, we have racial and ethnic and national slurs. I got to dehumanize the people that I'm against, make up names to make them less than people. That's so common. And... I've got to scare you from being associated with them. If you're in my tribe, I want to put pressure on you to keep you from getting too cozy with them. I want you to see what we're up to. I don't want you to have feelers out to maybe hear their side of the story. And so there's all kinds of techniques that tribes can use to keep you from cozying up to the other side. I just want you to be aware that this is known. I mean, we see this all the time. We need tribes. God made us tribal. We desperately need them. But tribes themselves can go to the dark side. 
they can become evil for us. And God made us more than just loyalty to our particular group, whether it's political or family or national or any other thing that you can think of. We're not going to be tribeless. That's not a possible human condition for us. No tribes at all. What God has planned is something better. He said, you don't need no tribe to avoid these problems we've just talked about. You need a redeemed tribe. The kingdom, the church, God's people. And I want you to be in that. And once you're in that, there's no Jew and Greek anymore. There's no barbarians and Scythians or any other names that you can think of to call outsiders. It's just people in Christ. That's what God has planned. Last point I want you to make, I want you to know, is that this has to do with what we are made to be. God said, Genesis chapter 1, let us make humans in our image. What you are fundamentally is the image of God. God made me in his image. You should say that. Because we have a hard time believing that's true sometimes of ourselves when we're feeling down. God made me in his image. Okay. It's Christmas. We can say it. Say that with me. God made me in his image, right? Thing is, Genesis 1.26 and following is true. God made my worst enemy in his image too. I'm not going to have you say that one. It sticks. It sticks in your craw if you mean it. But that's the truth. Which is why we get things, like in Leviticus 18, love your neighbor and love the stranger. And when we get in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would you do that? They're terrible. Jesus is saying, I know they're terrible. They're terrible, but they're image bearers of God. God made them in his image. The worst people in your lives, and there are bad people in your lives. This is not a sermon that says they're not bad. They are. There are bad people. Jesus says they are made in the image of God. That's what the Bible tells us. And because of that, you love them. I think there are at least two parts to that. One is, just because they're in the image of God, they deserve respect. They don't need you to call them nasty names. Raka, fool, which he's already yelled about earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew. They don't need you to be suspicious of them. They don't need you to make them less than human. 
They have the image of God no matter how bad they are. But there's something deeper. God made you. God built you. You felt it your whole life, though you may not have had a name for it. God made you to love him. There's a pull of God in you, in every human being. And because you love God, that's just cooked into us, you love everybody that's got the image of God a little bit. Every time you see another human being, even a bad human being, there is part of your heart that goes out in love, goes out in compassion, goes out in mercy. There's a bigger part of your heart that goes out in anger sometimes. But there's a part of your heart that is saying, I know, I know you. I already love you. And Jesus is saying, let's, let's lean into that part. Even with our enemies, let's lean into that part. They're bad, but your hating them is not going to make them any better. And your loving them might. Let's lean into loving everybody as if they are made in the image of God. Because they are. God made every one of us more than just our tribe, our loyalties to our group. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you have made us in your image and all of that that means. And God, we pray on this Christmas day as people are thinking about lots of things that they will be thinking about what Jesus Christ means in the world and that you're global plan to turn the world back into what it should be and to have your will descend to rule everywhere as it already rules in heaven. We pray, Lord, that that will be on people's minds and that that day will come quickly. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.